comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, what is up? It is, what's today? It is a beautiful Monday afternoon. I sit here with Kyle as we are recording the day after Selection Sunday. The Aztecs, much to my surprise... Uh, I was I was very down on the committee actually the whole day and just like the Aztecs are going to get shafted they're going to get an eight seed and much to my surprise the Aztecs got a six seed they are going up against uh, eleven seeded Syracuse in what fits to be a a great game uh, thank you all for joining us I'm way off script right now I'm sitting here with Kyle Kyle how are you feeling right now. Man, we just we just won the tourney and we're a good seed. I think we have a good first round matchup for us. Um, and we're in a bracket that is could produce some exciting results. I think that uh, besides the one seed, who I think is eventually going to win the whole thing in Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, I think the rest of the rest of the Midwest bracket is wide open, and I think it's there for the taking now I'm, I'm not saying that we're gonna win the whole thing or we're gonna even make the the elite eight but i i think if you're an aztec fan you have to be encouraged right you we just we just came off of of a great tournament performance and bring on march madness baby so let's let's back up here let's review the three days in the tournament thursday friday saturday the aztecs beat wyoming in a close one they beat Nevada on the second day, and then they beat Utah State in the third day to do something the Aztecs haven't done since 2011 with Kawhi Leonard, which is win the regular season championship and the tournament championship in the same year. Uh, Coach Dutcher already has two tournament championships. Steve Fisher, his whole time here, only got four. Um, so Dutcher is on a breakneck pace winning these tournament championships. Um just and just a huge get because we had been talking before about how the Aztecs needed quad one wins and they finally got one against Utah State and that probably bumped them up to a six seed. But I digress. Let me know how you're feeling. I wasn't able to watch pretty much any of Wyoming and only a little bit of Nevada. So let us know your thoughts about how the tournament went and what your takeaways were. Yeah, I think the number one takeaway is well done to our squad and specifically to Dutcher. Uh, After we lost to Utah state, I think we all agreed. Like I didn't see a way for us to win the conference championship. And then you knew we were going to have to beat. We were, I was hoping based on last week's pod that Colorado state would kind of make those same adjustments and would be playing them in the final. Um, But I've been to every single finals game, uh, the mountain West final for like the last six years that game in the championship, they controlled it. You know, it was, I believe it was six to, I think it was six to four Nevada and Terrell Gomez hit a three in the corner to put us up seven to six. And we, we didn't concede the lead the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, It was an incredible performance. Uh, A couple of takeaways. First, I, we all need to uh, say, we're sorry to Trey Pulliam 
because <laughs> he is playing better basketball right now than he ever has played. And my biggest takeaway from those last three games and watching every single tournament game, starting with the second round, uh, Trey Pulliam was the tournament MVP, not Matt Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Trey Pulliam had a good game against Wyoming. He had a great game against Nevada and he had a great game against Utah state. Matt Mitchell was MIA for for Wyoming and the first half of Nevada. Um, and I still think that Trey had a better game in the championship. So, my biggest takeaway is Trey should have won the champion, won the tournament MVP. He didn't even make the first team. They gave it to Sherfield, which, okay, whatever. I guess you're just trying to spread out the awards. But um, no, man, Trey, you killed it, dude. You really proved a lot of people wrong. You shut a lot of people up. Um, his floater is is connecting at an outrageous rate right now, and I know that's not the best shot in the world. But if he's making eight out of ten, I mean. And we're going to need that against Q, so we'll talk about that later. Um, and then I also want to give a big shout-out to Nathan Mensa. Uh, I think that we talked after the second game. I was on Twitter with some of our listeners, and I was like, man, like what happened to Mensa since, you know, halfway through the since tournament or conference play? Mensa's play has been way down. And that game against he had against Keita was one of his best performances uh, of the year and of his Aztec career. So I thought he did a really good thing. And then just you can see that the coaching staff really took a look at the previous couple of games because one of the things I was hammering the desk on was we need to match Keita's minutes with Mensa or match Mensa's minutes with Keita's. Now, we were talking about this pre-pod about how Mensa played like 30-something minutes in the championship game. But K if you Keita realize – Keita did. Or, or Keita did. Keita yeah. did, Yeah. Mensa, every time Mensa was on the floor, Kata was on the floor. Mm -hmm. So when Kata was off the floor, it was either small ball lineup, which worked, or it was Tamayich at the center. So that's something that they made a change, and it directly affected uh, uh, the outcome of the game. You saw that Kata wants to basically play off Mensa a couple times. We went, I know he hammered one lob, and then I think we threw one away, but you saw that the pick and roll – that Mensa and, and Pulliam were running really had an impact on his half court defense and all credit goes to the coaching staff and the players. Like they did an amazing job to come together and win this championship to remind everyone, like, this is our conference. You may Utah state fans were chirping uh, all week about, you know, two out of, th we've won the two last two tournaments. This mm -hmm. is our conference. And let me tell let me tell you guys something, you know, six years ago, we were having this discussion with New Mexico and with uh, UNLV and their programs are dumpster fires and your programs was a dumpster fire then. And so in five years, when Craig Smith leaves for a better job, uh, you guys will be bet down in the dumpster and we'll still be here. This is the mountain West tournament and the mountain West regular season. You got to beat us to win it. That's the bottom line. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. So good reminder for everyone out there this last weekend. <laughs> This is our conference. Just to, to hammer home the Trey, the Trey Pulliam point here. I feel like when I was watching it live, you know, the media has to vote so quickly once the game ends, like the second the game ends, they have to vote on all these awards. And I was like, you know what, if I was here right now, I'm probably just happy the SX one. I probably just put Matt Mitchell um, best player on best team type of thing. 
and and run with it. But then I looked at Pulliam's numbers over the course of the tournament. And some of these, Matt Mitchell had better numbers in terms of per game averages, but compared to what you expect from Pulliam, mm -hmm. it definitely should have been Pulliam, right? Pulliam over those three games averaged just under 13 points, a couple rebounds, almost four assists, a couple steals. And the big one is he shot 59% from the field which That's is huge. huge. He's like a 39% shooter from the field yeah. on the season. And, and like you said, those floaters are hitting and he's being more aggressive to go for layups too. Mm -hmm. And so both of those things combined, um, we can, we can talk more about Pulliam in a minute, but yeah, he, he immediately in my, the immediate after aftermath, I was just happy they won. And I was like, sure, give it to Matt Mitchell. That's awesome. And then as I looked into it, I was like, Pulliam should have won. Pulliam should have gotten mm -hmm. that. So Definitely yeah, and it's disappointing thing. that he didn't even get like all tournament awards, right? Like, yeah. And it's funny because I don't think we're we're alone in that opinion. I think I know I was watching with my dad and my brother, and they both agreed with me um, that Pulliam should be the MVP. And so, um, you know, I hope that uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get he's gonna get some pub in this next game because we're gonna talk about Cuso in a little bit, but uh, he's gonna be a big key to that. Cool. Um... Let's do the mailbag. Yeah, man. So we got a bunch of questions. So thank you so much for sending in your questions right now. I'm going to do my best to answer uh, as many as we can on our show today. Um, the first one is from Gary Goat TR. He asks, what's so good about the 2-3 zone that Cuse runs? Analytics act, an Analysts are acting like it's a top, top defense and I believe he said that they were like 89th or something in the country on defense. And we just played eighth rated defense and beat them by 11. Mm -hmm. So, so Trone, like, talk to me, how are you feeling about this matchup with Cuse and their defense and all that? So the thing about Syracuse's defense, it's a couple things. First off, Syracuse has the reputation, right? East coast team. They've been good for a long time. They have a fun little stat, not so fun for us, but they have the third most upset wins in NCAA tournament history. So they are consistently playing above their level. And a big part of that is because their defense is normally elite. Um, that being said, as the, the, the listener commented, Syracuse this year has the 89th ranked defense, according to Ken Palm. It's one of the worst defenses they've had in the last decade just in terms of efficiency so they're getting a lot of credit just on the history of it and the and the name brand type of thing that a team like the aztecs aren't going to get the other thing that makes it so tricky is it's very much um kyle i know you're not the biggest football guy but you know it's very much like the way the aztecs run the three three five defense in football and it's something you never see anywhere else and so you have to take all your practice time and just devote it to this one thing and then you're never going to see it again so it makes it hard to prepare for or the triple option in football on the offensive side it's very much like that the Aztecs haven't played against a single possession of two three defense this entire season and they have in the past but not this season and so they're going to be spending the vast majority of their practice time, I guarantee you working on cleaning up the things that they do against the two, three. And they're also going to add a couple things that Syracuse has no tape on to work against the two, three as well. And because of that, they're going to be working on defense less. They're going to be working on other things less. It's just going to be 
This is where you want to get the ball. This is how you get it there. This is where it goes next, all that type of stuff. So it's just, it's just the, the uniqueness of it makes it tough in terms of like what it is though. It's, it's a zone. The Aztecs are much more equipped to beat it than past years. Um, it's a little bit different than most two, three zones. And I can, I can explain that in a little bit, but I want to, I want to pass the floor to you. I'm feeling pretty good about it. How are you feeling about the zone? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wanted to answer this one when they asked this on Twitter, like right away, because this is what everyone is asking me, because if you go on ESPN or CBS or Fox sports one, everyone is acting like Syracuse is just going to roll us. Yep. Right. Because, and I heard Jay Billis, Mr. College Basketball for ESPN utter these words out of his mouth. Syracuse runs a great 2-3 zone, and San Diego State, it doesn't shoot the ball well. Neither of which are uh, accurate this year. Uh, what? We have three players, three, who shoot over 40% from three-pointer. Yeah. And Seiko is only shooting 35% because he had a rough tournament. Like, this, this is the best shooting team Aztecs have ever had by a wide margin, probably. Um, and then not only that, when you're talking about a zone in basketball, you break it in one of two ways, consistent ball movement to get your shooters open. So we're going to have a lot of shots where Jordan's going to be taking a shot where a guy is running at him, not on him. And I think Jordan would take that 10 times out of 10, yep. as opposed to coming off a ball screen, being guarded, hounded, and then just pulling up, which as you've seen, Jordan can knock down with regularity. Absolutely. So him getting catch and shoot opportunities as opposed to uh, like running and moving and having to create his own shot. Give me that all day. And then number two, the easiest way to break a zone is you get into the heart of a zone yep. and our two point guards, their best traits are getting into the paint and they will get into the zone. They will. And they, it's all about their, their decision-making. Right. And I think that Lamont had a, had a somewhat rough tournament in terms of, when do I shoot? When do I pass? But we know that he can perform in those big games and he's going to get to the basket. Mm -hmm. he, that's his best strength. And I mean, I think that Pulliam playing so good um, allows Dutcher to kind of shorten, uh, shorten the leash on the freshman mistakes. Um, and he definitely did that in the tournament. And the other thing is, I think you're going to see a lot of Matt Mitchell standing at the free throw line. And that's yep. his shot. Yep. Like that is his shot. Yep. And even that, even so, we have a great small ball lineup that just killed Utah State. And I've been clamoring for it all year. Playing small ball against Syracuse is something we can do. And then lastly, and this is more about Syracuse. When Syracuse was peak Syracuse and their 2-3 zone was unstoppable, mm -hmm. they had four guys that were between the size of 6'6 and 6'11 yep. uh, in the back three, and their guards were all huge. That's not this Syracuse team anymore. They don't have the size and the athleticism that they used to. They have Buddy Beheim is on the court, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's a great shooter. He's horrible on defense. He's slow to react. He doesn't do any of the things that you need to do as, a, as a, the front two in the, in the two, three. And we're going to have our opportunities. You don't play zone. If you're a zone team and you're an 89th in the country, that means your zone stinks. Because not a lot of teams play zone. Yeah. They want to play man. Yep. And so I think we're only two point favorites, which I think that's probably Vegas trying to hedge their bets a little bit uh, with all the money that's going to come on in on Syracuse, just yeah. because 
they're a bigger program than us. Yep, uh, for those of you that don't know how gambling works, even if they Aztecs were better, they're trying to make sure to cut down on their percentage of losses. So they're only giving Syracuse a little bit of a boost as opposed to, I think it probably should be a line of about six or seven. Um, I don't think Syracuse should have got in. I watched them play all year and think that they are overrated. Um, they could beat us though. You know, Aztecs could go cold and we it could happens. lose the game, but um, they could totally beat us. It's not a game where I think it's an automatic W. Um, but let me say that out of, all the other teams in the tournament, I don't mind playing them at all. I I do want to say um, the thing you just said about the betting line, that's not just like us being homers. I was listening to Locked on Syracuse earlier today, and they said the same exact thing, um, that Vegas is just trying to hedge their bets, and they expect more more Syracuse people will be betting mm-hmm. for, for them to win just because it's a bigger name. Um, so, yeah, that's that's – I think a hundred percent what it is. I do want to take a second and um, kind of explain something that is unique about Syracuse's defense. Syracuse normally two, three zones don't do this, but Syracuse, what they do, I'm going to say this. It, it might make sense. It might not over audio. I put out an article on East village times earlier that kind of helps explain it too. And it has visuals and stuff. Their wings, the people that start in the corners in the zone will come up if the ball is moved to the wing right which opens up the entire baseline and opens up corner corner shooters galore and shackle can shoot that corner shot right um they do that and then more importantly like you said getting the ball into the center the way syracuse plays the two three they have their center step up to the free throw line to guard that shot so their center is going to be coming up to guard matt mitchell that will leave nathan mensa or whoever's playing the five tomayich a rope whoever wide open down low the way Syracuse tries to counter that is by having the wings crash into the low block to guard whoever that center is they have both those wings crash in every time and so once again that leaves the perimeter open that all being said Syracuse has been unnaturally good at guarding three-point shots for a zone defense this season um they've been really good at it and in the article I put out I, I put a picture of their shot chart and teams have been struggling from the three-point line but where they've been where Syracuse has struggled has been at the rim and at that free throw line area so getting Matt Mitchell to that spot where you mentioned that's where he's comfortable that's his shot and then getting Mensa and Tomaich and a rope those easy looks right at the basket that's going to be key and we know the Aztecs can do it because they just did it against Utah State with one of the best rim protectors in the nation and they still did it and so uh I'm not worried about the zone for that specific reason. It's not so much because like the Aztecs can shoot over it. I've seen a lot of that and in theory they can, but I've seen just a lot of the radio personality saying like the Aztecs will just shoot over it. It'll be fine. And it's ignoring the fact that Syracuse has been really good against three point shooters this year. And they face a lot of them in the ACC. So I just wanted to point that out. And that's not how you, that's not how you beat a zone, right? Because inside the zone is banky. Like if you make a ton of threes and you're, I'm playing zone, you know what I'm saying? Keep making them right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The way you beat a zone and make it not work the re you basically are playing inside out, right? You yep. go to the basket to dominate the basket, to force their guys to be more wary of your inside presence mm-hmm. so that you're when that you do pass to the wing or to the corner, um, 
you're hitting three, you're hitting uncontested threes. And I think a simple, a simple change to the normal Aztecs offense is you move KJ or a rope or whoever is playing the four, you move them to the wing and you move Pulliam or you move a Gomez or Shackle to the corner because you get one of your two best three-point shooters in the the spot where they're going to be open the most. And I think that uh, that's a very simple switch in the Aztecs offense um, that I fully expect to see. So the other thing is if, and I was thinking about this too, is we've been running a lot of Jordan Shackle off of a double off ball screen under the basket. Mm -hmm. If we're doing that to his own, he's going to get open. 10 out of 10 times with that same action, just because the guy's either going to have to hedge off of Pulliam who has the ball to protect getting shackle and uncontested three in the corner, or they're going to have to honor, or they're going to have to, uh, which would leave, which would leave Pulliam uh, open lane to the basket. Yeah. Or they're going to have to leave off shackle and he's going to get a shot. So I expect Jordan to have a monstrous shooting performance. Now it doesn't mean he's going to make them. I just expect him to have a, a little bit higher usage rate than maybe he has in the past. Okay, so we've broken down Syracuse's 2-3 defense. Let's go into a specific player that uh, Matt McGee, 32, he mentions we've shut down good guards all year, and he listed all of them. Sherfield is is the biggest one, in my opinion. Does Buddy Bayheim bring anything unique that we haven't seen before? Yes and no is the answer, is the answer to that. Um, the Aztecs have been very good defensively at taking away the first option of other teams. I thought Sherfield was actually an interesting inclusion because I felt like Sherfield got almost whatever he wanted every time he played. And it was just, everybody else was so bad. Cambridge was really inefficient mm-hmm. and the Essex were able to hold everybody else down. And so Sherfield was all they had. Um, but that's, that's beside the point. Uh, Buddy Bayheim, and you and I were talking about this pregame is more or less Jordan Shackle just wearing orange instead of instead of black and red right he's a sniper from the outside he's not at least in the in the analytics and the numbers he's not as good at coming off of screens but he's very good like in isolation he's very good behind the arc he takes over half of his shots from behind the arc he can absolutely drive it into the basket but it's not what he prefers to do he's more likely to pull up for a long two before he gets to the rim um He's yeah, he's he's Jordan Shackle, but not as good defensively, basically. So yes, they've seen it in practice, but no, they haven't seen it in a game yet. Yeah, I mean, it, my point was going to be right on. Um, he is really good at being the guy who finds the ball in a scramble and is the guy that's taking the shot at the end of the shot clock. Um, and the only other difference is you can tell that Shackle has been told, like, we want you to take your shots if you can get to your spot. And he's been getting, you know, that elbow free throw line jump shot off of a ball screen a lot more, Mm -hmm. or he's been, you know, pulling up when he feels like he's got some space. Bayheim has the ultimate green light. If he's got the ball, it's okay for him to shoot it. So there's a little bit of a difference in Jordan gets and gets his buckets and kind of the flow of the offense as well as ISO Bayheim just is whenever, right. He, whenever he gets the ball, he could shoot it. Um, and he is a guy who can go nuclear. And we were talking about this previously or early before we started recording, he had a really, really bad stretch to start the season. And he's just been on fire 
since about midway through ACC play. Uh, and the difference is Jordan has been shooting at this percentage the entirety of the year. So um, he's hot right now and he was hot in the ACT tournament, but uh, it, you know, it, I don't think it really helped them. I mean, I watching him play, he really struggled in that game that they lost. Um, who did they lose to? I totally forget. They lost to Virginia right before Virginia had to shut it down. Yeah. I was watching that game after yeah. after the Syracuse matchup was announced. I was like, let's watch their last game, see what they did. And and it was it was yeah, a close and game. Virginia Virginia is a team historically that can't shoot right, mm-hmm. and they are a team this year that still can't shoot, and that's what happened. The sixty nine seventy two final. Um, and I think Syracuse hit like a buzzer beater, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, yeah, Vir- Virginia hit a buzzer beater. Yeah, or Virginia, Virginia hit a buzzer beater. Yeah. So that's very similar to like how we're gonna play, right? Except we're so much a better shooting team than than Virginia. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. Buddy definitely is is a different style of player, different from something we've seen in a long time. Um as as opposed as far as Aztec opponents but mm-hmm. like you said he they see Jordan Shackle every day in practice and that's what we basically have to comp him to so yep. I'm hoping that um you know Seiko will probably be his primary defender when he's on the court because that's who Seiko guards is their best player and mm-hmm. he right Buddy Bayheim right now is their best player so um it's interesting okay so we had a few questions from a couple of people talking about Pulliam's recent play does it change your expectations for the Aztecs in the tournament? Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. If we've been talking since the beginning of the season about how this team's weakness since before the season started was point guard play and was, was I've been saying specifically play creation, right? Whether it's people who can create their own shots or shots for others. And the way we saw Polium play in the tournament he was able to do both. He was able to get his own shot at the rim or hitting that floater he loves. He was able to create shots for others. And the tournament is definitely, you need good guards to win. And then especially against Syracuse, Pulliam's ability to get into the lane and hit that floater or hit somebody with a little hezzy and then get to the rim. That's, that's going to be huge. And that's going to be huge against everyone. I have felt that a sweet 16 was the ceiling if everything went right. If Pulliam keeps playing the way he is, though, that's going to be more like it's not going to be the team has to get a little lucky to get to a sweet 16. It's going to be they're expected to get to a sweet 16. And it still doesn't mean they will. Obviously, the tournament's a crapshoot, but like the elite eight becomes the thing where if everything goes right, they can make it there. Yeah, for sure. Um I think that Pulliam's play is it's so key for us, um, especially in this first game, right? His pick and roll with Mensa or with uh, another big has just been so devastating. Um, and then the other thing is his, his energy on the defensive end mm-hmm. has shot up. Um, maybe that's a little bit of, of Lamont pushing him uh, in that area. Uh, he sees like that's where he can improve, but He's so key, man. He's our starting point guard, right? And I think that um, I think what really helped him is putting Gomez into the starting lineup. It gives him another ball handler or someone who can uh, facilitate the offense. Mm-hmm. And so the pressures of pure playmaking is, you know, off him a little bit. Yep. Um, but he's going to be huge. He is so big for our next, our first game. 
much, I think much less against West Virginia um, just because of their style of play. But uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that that the ceiling is definitely higher. I think that we very well could win these next two games and be favored in our sweet 16 matchup uh, against we could be, we'd be playing Houston who I've watched the, what did you, I'm sorry. What? Most likely, most likely Houston. Yeah. yeah. Most likely play Houston. Right. Cause I think Clemson and Rutgers are both not good teams. Um, and this is a year where I basically feel like you're, you're a great, you're one of the elite of the elite, like Gonzaga, Illinois, Baylor, you're in the middle of the road, which is like legitimately 40 of the teams and then mm-hmm. you're garbage. So, which is the other half. So I think it's, it's pretty wide open. Um, but yeah, I think that Pulliam, I could see Pulliam, you know, if he keeps on this run, like I'm incredibly confident we could play really anyone until Illinois. And I would be very confident in our, in our, in the outcome. Um, but it just depends, you know, it, he's had a really good run of, run of games. And I think that my expectations are just because I've like West the two, it's so funny. Cause the two teams that we're playing, Syracuse and West Virginia are like my two non Aztec college basketball teams. (laughs) So I've watched them a ton. Um, and we're going to go into West Virginia at the very end. We're not going to dwell on that because we got to get through Syracuse first, but, um, I think, I think winning the next two games is something that could happen. And I think it definitely makes the elite eight, like the ceiling or the final we could, I mean, look, we would have to beat Illinois to make the final four Aztec fans. And they have, that is they had they're like utah state on steroids right um but who knows who knows and they could and here's the other thing someone could pop for covid right that's another thing like someone makes a bad mistake and someone's out of the tournament altogether so could be could be covid could be another team illinois just has a bad night and loses their sweet 16 matchup and now we're playing like the 13 ohio or whatever i don't even know who it is i mean it it's a risk it's if I could have picked a bracket for us to be in, this would be the last one to be in because I think the two teams that we could potentially be fa- like, if, if I'm we're talking about making it to a final four, mm-hmm. the two teams on the upper half of the bracket that we're staring at in the face are in my opinion, the team that's going to win the whole thing, Illinois, mm-hmm. and then the best college basketball player in five years, Cade Cunningham, like those aren't great options. So, um, We'll see, but like that's something. Let's cross that bridge when we get there, right? Let's make an elite eight first. Let's yeah. make the first elite let's, eight let's ever. Win the, let's, um, win, let's beat Syracuse first. Let's yeah, let's beat Syracuse one game at first, a time. And then we can thing. start talking about expectations and ceilings and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So basically, we, I think we all agree. Yeah, Pulliam's play definitely changed the course of this team, and Jeff definitely changes our expectations. Yeah. Moving on, <clears throat> and this is from Sean Thomas thirty nine. He asks. And he, he basically, he, he tweeted this picture with an elephant in a room saying, how concerned are we about Dutcher going to Minnesota? I'm, I am not very concerned. And I know we talked about this before the show. Um, I'm not very concerned. Dutch waited a long time for this job. The only reason anybody is concerned is because Dutch has so much of a cheaper buyout to go to Minnesota. Uh, and then every other team is like the regular buyout amount. And then Minnesota's is, is super cheap. And that's the only reason anybody's concerned. And honestly, I feel like that could be there 
because as like a as like a consolation because San Diego State can't pay Dutcher what he's worth. And so they were like, listen, we know you're from Minnesota. We'll throw that in there because we can't give you what you're worth. So we'll throw this in there that way. If you want to go home, you can. But Coach Dutcher is old. If he goes there, it's going to be his last job. I don't think he's a great coach, but I don't think he wants to spend the next five years. He probably only has 10 left coaching if he wants them. I don't think he wants to spend the next five building up another program. Um, I'm not too worried. What about, what about you? I know you had some other reasons that I also agree with. Yeah. So look, program to program, who's a better basketball program, Minnesota, who is dead last in the big 10 or San Diego state that has made the tournament, you know, a few years uh, out of the last five or six and has a, we're, we're a better program. We consistently hang banners. We're going to the NCAA tournament or the NIT. Uh, our teams are better. We're nationally ranked all the time. Like this isn't a debate. We're a better program than Minnesota basketball. Now, if you were to get our level of success at Minnesota, you're probably doing better because they're a big 10 program mm-hmm. and we're stuck in the, you know, worst run conference in the history of sports. But look, do you really want to go? There's a, that's one reason. The next is like you said, he, by all accounts could have left 25 plus times yeah. in the time he was waiting for Fisher to retire. Right. He could have left that all those times. So why would he leave the team that he helped create right now? Fisher gets the credit, mm-hmm. but Fisher will defer some of the credit to Dutcher too. The mm-hmm. way that Dutcher defers some of the credit to Dave Velasquez, right? Yep. Um, and to, to Hudson and to those guys that are no longer with us. But if it just doesn't make sense for me, for you as a human being, your best friend who they've taught, he talks about Fisher, like a father figure, like your best friend, your best friend entrusted this program to you. You waited for this program to happen. You're getting paid a million dollars a year. Your last two years are two of maybe the five or six most successful years in the history of the program. You guys are on You're a nationally ranked team. You're trending up. You're getting hyped for four-star recruits in the off season. You're in San Diego. You're making a million bucks. Like none of these, the, o- the only reason that you would leave is because of they offer you a bag, like a huge amount of money. And I'm very much the person that if someone's willing to pay you a ridiculous amount of money, you go take that. And it happens with sports all the time. Why would player X leave for more money? It's more money. You would do the same thing. You would leave your job Mm -hmm. if you were offered twice what you were making at your current location to do the same thing. Right. Or he really just wants to go home. And I don't think I just, it just is really hard for me to believe that he's going to leave us for Minnesota. If Minnesota was a middle of the road big 10 team and had a very easy path to becoming good then i see i could totally see that but that's not the case minnesota's bad you don't recruit in the big 10 area so you'd have to learn a whole new recruiting system um and you're in an organization like you're like they have expectations right like in san diego you can have a bad year and we're gonna let you get away with it just because of how small of a market or San Diego state's basketball team just isn't, you know, it's not a big 10 team. So we don't have the media hype. Look at how we're being talked about with Syracuse. That's proof in itself. Um, And then my last point, 
and this is something that I really want to hammer home. This is a program, and I fully expect Dave Velasquez to be the next head coach of the SDSU men's basketball when Dutcher retires. And if Dutcher were to leave, I firmly believe that Dave Velasquez would be named head coach the very same day. And I'm fine with that because this is what we do. We have our, we're a program with, with a coaching tree and we're just going to keep putting out guys that are, that are a part of the coaching tree until the end of time. And Dave Velasquez is the next one. And if you noticed their role is extremely similar to Dutch. His role is extremely similar to Dutch's role when Fisher was the head coach. Mm-hmm. You see Fisher's on the sidelines and Dutcher was the one hammering out the instructions to everyone. And it's the exact same way with this situation. Dutcher's on the sidelines and Dave is the guy that's hammering it out. And so if he leaves, it, it would, I would be sad because I think he's done a great job, but I'm not scared because we have a guy who I think can do the job. And I no. also think, I also think um, that other guys would come back. I, I always thought that Hudson would be our next head coach. Mm-hmm. And I know the whole like coming back in the program thing, but Hudson did a heck of a job with Fresno at the end of the year. Like he really turned their season around. And if for some reason he wasn't, he wasn't, they felt that he wasn't going to be the guy of the future. Hudson would come back in two seconds. And I think we all would take him. Um, yeah. We're a family and we have a tree and we have a pro we're a program. We're not just one guy. So I really want to like relax. Okay. <laughs> just relax. Um, it, you guys are getting all worked up about this and all of the signs point to him staying. And even if he leaves, I think we're in a good spot. So we're okay. Um, Coach Campbell, but I, Co- no, I got some strong opinions on that bad boy. No, it's good. Coach Velasquez is ready for a head coaching job. Hopefully he takes one with the Aztecs. I think it depends on how long coacher, Coach Dutcher coaches for. I also think, honestly, you mentioned Hudson, whose wife is still the women's basketball coach at San Diego State. So there's still that connection too. And then I also think Coach Acker is ready for a head coaching spot as well. So like oh, there, yeah. are, there are, an, and I do think you're right, Velasquez is first in line for that, but there are. Acker, number, I could see Acker being the next guy too. And Acker's and such then a I could player see, like, development guy. Yeah, and I can like see Tim Shelton that. coming back. Tim Shelton coming back and being, being the if, next like guy in waiting. If, right, he's getting Hudson his cuts with back, Justin. If yeah. Hudson comes back, I could see Shelton's all that. And I mean, back. like, and that's that's what Fisher real. That's the the what you we thank Fisher for is yeah. he created this identity of a family where everyone takes care of everyone. And like you said, Hudson left, but he didn't go far. Like he's yeah. still in the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it. I think we're going to be okay. I really do. I think the brand of SDSU basketball has never been stronger. We're literally like one of what seven to ten teams that are sponsored by Jordan. Like you don't just something get like that. that. Like it's not it's not something that you that we just randomly get, right? And I think if you just look at the state of the programs in the in the biggest state in the country, California, you know, in terms of basketball, California is where most of the, no one's coming, no basketball players are coming from Texas, right? I mean, there are some, but we're a bigger basketball state than Texas is. Texas is football. And you've got probably the best program in the, in, in California right now, like not historically, but right now we are better than USC and we are better than UCLA. Mm -hmm. And we prove it every year when we play USC in the preseason and if I'm not mistaken, we haven't lost like 
eight of those games in a row based on my insider information, but yeah, um, something like that. it's, it just doesn't make sense. So it, be nervous, but I'm not at all. And frankly, that's not something you should be worried about. You should be worried about us making shots and getting into the lane against Syracuse. <laughs> that's, that's the focus. And right then, now. Okay. Yeah. And then lastly, last thing we'll touch on it's from uh, stump Dave at on Twitter. How do we match up with West Virginia? West Virginia. Um, so stump Dave here actually threw me for a loop. When I first saw West Virginia was the next probable matchup. Uh, stump Dave mentions they're 11th on offense and 65th in defense in Ken Palm. And I had mentioned previously that I think teams that are good offensively and not as good defensively are good matchups for the Aztecs. Um, so I think he's kind of going off of that. And in that way, it does sound good. I was very nervous about West Virginia's full court press defense because we've seen the Aztecs struggle a lot with that in end of game situations. And even in the tournament, that was still the one thing that I was like, yeah, they still got to work on this. You just get the ball in bounds, figure it out. Um, I say like, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's not, but it's like, man, it's been all season. You got to figure it out. That being said, Stump Dave mentions that he thinks West Virginia doesn't press anymore. And I went and I looked up a couple games and I didn't look at them closely. I was just looking to see if they press and they don't really anymore. It's a very soft press akin to what the Aztecs do where they'll just have one guy kind of walk you up the court just to make you bend your legs a little bit, tire you out a little bit. That way at the end of the game, you're missing those three point shots. That's it. It's not that full court press we saw in 2015, 2016 in Las Vegas. When we played them, it's not that same press. So um, it's hard to say for sure. I had that, That's all I've seen of West Virginia. Um, so being specific on how we match up is tougher, but I was, I'm much less worried about that matchup knowing that they don't press as much. Okay, so I'm going to break it down mm -hmm. for you guys, Tech fans. Uh, this is not a good matchup for us. And I don't... Uh, Based on everything that I think our weaknesses are, I would say those are West Virginia's strengths, okay? Number one is, do they have a really good in-game manager coach? And Huggins, he can do that. And that's something that isn't talked about. Dutcher's going to have to beat two of, like, what, the 50 or 60 greatest coaches of all time in college yeah. basketball yeah. to make it to the Sweet 16? Mm -hmm. Like, that's crazy, right? Um, West Virginia... They play, I think if if they could handle their style of play, because their style of play is frantic. That's how I would describe it. It's not, it, 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 they're not pressing full court like they used to, but what they are doing is they are intense on defense. They are very in your grill, trying to get up inside of you, um, style of play. And they have a guy who I think is going to give us nightmares. And that is um, Jalen Briggs. Uh, he is, I think he's like six ten. He plays legitimately like an NBA power forward for, um, so he's super athletic. Right. And that's kind of the style of player that, that gives the Aztecs trouble. Athletic bigs um, really seems to, to frustrate us. Now I don't, I wouldn't put Quaita in that category. He's more of a back to the basket kind of big as opposed to to West Virginia's bigs 
are slashers or freak athletes, right? So it's going to be, I think it's a really bad matchup just because they are a huge team too. Um, as they're going to start two guys that are big, as big as Mensa. Um, and so Mitchell's going to have to, to really step up and play that power forward role a lot. Um, and, and I mean, we know we've talked about him playing like the PJ Tucker role and being the small ball mm-hmm. four or five, and he does it very well, but that's something that he's going to have to do on a regular basis. Um, West Virginia's strengths, I think are getting the ball to the basket and then they have really good guard play. Uh, they also have a guy who comes off the bench, Taz Sherman, who I've seen games. This kid is, is going to be a star. Uh, he, he plays about 25 minutes a game, averages 14, but he's, he's can go off. He can absolutely go off. He had 25 against Kansas. Uh, they lost against Baylor by like a five point game. That was a one possession game at the end until Baylor hit free throws and he had 26 against Baylor. So he is a guy who I'm really looking at because that's the Seiko matchup right out of the gate. Like Seiko is going to come in and half guard Taz. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the thing about the Aztecs is we're going to press you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I think that, would be that's going to work against West Virginia um, get, kind of giving some of their quote unquote, their own medicine. Um, but I just don't like the matchup because of how physical they are inside. Uh, but you know, there are things that we can do to counter it. And I think this is a game that I think small ball, if we can somehow keep, keep uh, their big guys off the board, small ball could be devastating because they are very like their, their little guards are really good and their big guys are really good. So that middle, like Jordan Shackle, Matt Mitchell, those guys can really eat against West Virginia, but it's a tough matchup, man. I think, I mean, we're going to be, they're going to be favored because we're the six seed and they're the three seed. So that's automatically something that you're going to have to think about, but um, yeah, I don't like the matchup at all. Do I think we can win? Absolutely. Cause I think, our guards are playing good. And I think we're just playing like, I think Saturday's game was, you could argue that was the best game we played all year. Yep. Um, and so I think the keys to that game, if, if we're, we're lucky enough to beat, to beat Syracuse, I think are limit turnovers, very simply limit turnovers, control the pace and hammer the glass because that's what West Virginia does get offensive rebounds. So um, yeah, man, I mean, it, <laughs> It's a, it, it would be really cool to beat West Virginia. Like I said, West Virginia and Syracuse are the two yep. teams that I kind of support outside of SDSU just because of, I don't know, I've been following them for so long, but I, I like the matchup for Syracuse. I don't like the matchup as much against West Virginia, but we'll see. I think that's all we can do. Let's, let's, and you know, the team doesn't even like spent five seconds on West Virginia yet. No, they're, no, they're locked in on, on Syracuse. Syracuse. So, they'll, yeah. they'll have a day to prep West Virginia. And so that will be those second games of the week are so much more just about like executing what you do well and, and hoping it's enough. Um, I want to lightning round a couple of these other people who responded really quick. So we'll try and do some real short answers. I think these ones are good for short answers. Uh, Rick Lee says we're on pace to become a national powerhouse. I'd expect sweet 16 or better. Am I suffering from fan delusion? Kyle, is he suffering from fan delusion? No, I think, I, I mean, yes and no. I think yes, because I felt this way for a while. I'm like, why aren't we better than we we are <laughs> just based on our results? Um, I feel like our program should be a little bit further along, but whatever. Um, but no, I, I mean, 
expecting the Sweet 16 against against West Virginia, I think, is rough. Yeah, I, I don't expect us to beat West Virginia. I'm just going to be honest. For sure. I think, actually, despite having great coaches, um, the roster isn't set for next year. We still have to see what it is, but we're losing a lot of talent, and I'm not sure how much we are getting back. So I don't think next year will be as good as this year. So I don't know that we're on our way to a national powerhouse. So in that yeah, sense, and also I like the conference, bit. all the teams that are going to be good next year, like Keita could come back mm-hmm. and play his senior year. Nevada is going to kill it next year. They're getting another Nevada, big Colorado state really has good. everyone coming back. Colorado like state. every team. Yep. Yeah. The only team that's going to drop off a cliff is Boise. Cause mm-hmm. it's Boise. Um, but yeah, we're, I mean, this was a good, th- these last two years were our, our chance, right? Were our chance to do re- some things really good just because that's how recruiting works. Like you recruit in waves and it kind of just worked out perfectly. Um, I know that the program really likes the freshmen, even though they're not playing. It's yeah. just one of those, like we've got guys in the spots, but even next year, you're going to have a couple of seniors on the team. Um, I expect Pulliam to come back. Uh maybe Tigo too. That would be huge. Um, but yeah, we're a, we're a ways away from being a national powerhouse. I think we've really got to take that next step and we're winning the conference every year. And then you can say we're a national powerhouse. Like if you look at it, we got to be a national powerhouse the way that Wichita state was considered like they could make the final four every year before Greg Marshall racist comments and stuff like that. So, um, that's kind of how we have. I look at us. We have to be the mid-major team that, no matter what, we're in the tournament, even if we underperform in the tourney, and then go from there. Right? Um, we're not there yet. I think we're close, but everything's up in the air with COVID. We have no yeah. idea. Um, SD Sports Fiend interacts with me a lot on Twitter. Um, just says Syracuse Zone gives up a lot of NBA range threes. We need to penetrate and kick it out to a college three-point line um don't get lazy and settle for nba threes we talked about that totally agree um what was the last one aztec proud at aztec proud asked what bench player do you think will have the most impact in the tournament and their guess is Keyshad because that kid is turning into a stud end quote who is gonna have be the biggest impact guy off the bench yeah um, I'm going to say against Syracuse, it's going to be Adam Seiko. And I'm going to say okay. against West Virginia, it's going to be Lamont Butler. Um, I think the two, three zone is perfect for Seiko. He didn't hit his shots on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I trust him to hit those and I want him to keep shooting because he's had secretly or quietly, he's had a really good Aztec career playing in his role. And I think the matchup for for Syracuse literally fits that role to a T you're going to come in, you're going to guard buddy Bayheim and you're going to hit open three pointers. Like go, go at it, man. This is your time. Yeah. Seiko's in a cold spell. He's one of his last five, but he's going to start hitting shots again. I think, for Syracuse, I think it will be um, probably either Keyshad or 
a rope, one of those bigs getting those offensive rebounds. We didn't even touch on how zones are just terrible rebounding defenses. So getting those offensive rebounds will be huge. And then I also think, like you said, West Virginia and just in general, Lamont Butler has been getting better little by little every game next year. He's going to be a stud after he has a full off season to develop. So Lamont Butler will be pretty key as well. Yep. Cool. That's all I got. Any closing thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, man. I want to shout out the uh, the two brackets we got going on. Trone put together a bracket. Oh, yep. It's free to enter. Mm-hmm. Top prizes you get to come on a show next year with us. So um, that'll be something cool to strive for. Yep. And if we can get, maybe we'll get some cool prizes for you. And, and I'm, then I run I'm always terrible. It's so easy to beat. I'm always last place every time I do this. So <laughs> definitely join. That way you can beat somebody. Yeah. Um, and then I run a pool every year. It's 25 bucks to enter. If you're interested, just hit me up on Twitter. You can direct message me. Uh, we use CBS. It's really easy. Um, we have a ton of, re- we have a ton of people enter. I think last year the pot was like $1,500. So Sheesh. do the math there. Um, but we're, we're pimping it out on the pod. So hopefully we can make it even more, right? Even um, more. yeah, I just, this, this, uh, could be our next to last show, or it could be, the first of many, if, if, if we have, I'm hoping that next week, next Tuesday, when you're back in at home, yep. uh, you and I are off of our rocker because we just, we just torched Syracuse. And now people are talking about, Ooh, how are the, how is Houston going to match up with us? Mm-hmm. And I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm super excited. Um, but yeah, I want everyone to enjoy Thursday and Friday. It is unquestionably the two best sports days of the year. Yep. Uh, and it's the first time I'm not going to be able to, to take time <laughs> off, unfortunately. Um, but it's okay. I'll be, I'll be aware, but, uh, yeah, guys, just, I'm so happy we won and, and I'm, I'm happy for us as, as a, as a fan base after last year, just mm-hmm. really getting mm-hmm. screwed by COVID, um, having the opportunity to have your name be called on selection Sunday and, playing a, a, a national powerhouse so that people can pay attention. And last thing before I take off, we're on CBS on Friday with the yeah. A1 squad. Yep. That is legit. Yep. So this is our chance, right? Like it's kind of like the Colorado state game. If we can prove it, they're going to think that we can, we have a chance against West Virginia. Yep. Right. Um, no, they so won't. Yeah, they I'm still, really they'll be like, They'll be like, yeah, oh, it's yeah, a shot unbelievably it well. It was a two-three zone. It's West Virginia is gonna is gonna just oh, run yeah. them to the wall or whatever. Yeah. Okay. It'll be fine. It'll well, be no, guys, uh, appreciate you guys, and uh, no matter what, we'll have a pod next Tuesday. For sure. Um, but positive thoughts and positive vibes, and go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. That does it for this one, Aztec fans. We will catch you next time. What am I doing?